We hope you enjoy this message from Expression Church of Huntington. While we're here on this earth, so we bless you and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, Amen, Amen. amen. Excited about the 27th. That's going to be a good day. So mark your calendars, as Steph was saying. That Sunday night is going to be the first of, of, of several impartation services we're going to do. What I've discovered, and you guys would know this, this isn't new to, to us or to you, but what I've discovered is it takes two facets of this thing to live this out. And it's really difficult uh, because I was raised in a, in a Pentecostal church where we want to cast out everything and lay hands on everything. But you can't lay hands on ignorance. You know? And when I say ignorance, I'm not talking about stupid. <laughs> I'm talking about the lack of information and knowledge, right? I'm talking about ignorance is when something's in obscurity, you just don't really know. You don't know what you don't know yet. And when I was raised that way, we, God, everything was a devil and everything we chased. And even to the point where I didn't realize I had to chase anything else. Uh, but then you come in this other side, and the other side is, when I say the other side, different groups. Um, Everything was learned, so it became a cerebral Christianity, where you're learning it, you teach it, um, you understand it, you, it's taught, uh, wow, and you become smarter in your walk with the Lord. But you know, you can't counsel if you can't counsel a devil. You have to cast it out, and you have to displace lies with truth. You okay with that? That's true. So when I say that, I, you know, when Steph was talking about anxiety a minute ago, anxiety is a spirit. It, it tries to attach itself to you. It's, it's, uh, it's laced and sistered and, and twinned with fear, okay? And it is to keep you in a paralyzed state uh, to keep you from moving forward, okay? It seems to be one of the, the, the strongholds on this generation is anxiety. However, once the spirit is broken off of a person in praying and laying on of hands and the spirit is then dealt with, if you don't displace the lies that, that allowed that anxiety spirit to settle, then it has a good chance of coming back. So you would displace those lies of anxiety with, li with, with truth. That doesn't mean they're not lies, they're lies like, like in lies like you're lying to someone or someone's lying to you, but it's something you believe that isn't absolutely true. It isn't truth. Make sense? Right? For example, if I say to you, and you believe that they're against you, and your tendency is to think that people are against you, and they're lined up, stacked against you, and that's your filter and your lens, that is a lie. Right? Because if God before you, who can be against you, Amen. right? So, but if you believe that people are against you more than you believe God's for you, who can be against you, you give a gateway into anxiety. You give a gateway into a deception that allows itself to lodge onto you, and then you begin to live out of that deception. What begins to happen is that spirit of anxiety comes on you. When it comes on you, it's coupled with fear, and when fear and anxiety are on a person, it's hard to deal with it when the manifestation of that spirit is, is, is paramount. So you have to control it to just calm down. Am I talking to anybody? 
All right. But the root of it is, yes, it needs to be dealt with spiritually, but the root of that is a lie. It's something we were believing that overwhelms the truth that we should know and probably do know, but the voice of that lie is louder in our ears than the voice of truth that really should be in our spirit. Right? Displace it. Displace it. I was reading, what, what got me on my journey years, years, years ago, before we go to Exodus 14, what got me on my journey that kind of began to change my whole outlook on, on faith, my Christianity, was I was very much into um, works. And when I say works, a lot of human effort. It required you to do a lot of, um, you know, God was gonna bless you based on what you did. And if you didn't do, there was a penalty. If you did do, reward. And not saying that that isn't, you reap what you sow. I'm not saying that. But I had a lot of emphasis put on um, perform based on, like God was like on the 50 yard line. He was, in, you know, judging my life. And depending on how well I did, depending on the level of reward I was getting. So I began to perform for him, subconsciously, perform for him to see I'll be blessed if he approves of this. So I had, out of one corner of my eye was God, and out of the other corner of my eye was my life. Right? I did not realize I was living that way until one day. I was reading the book in Romans chapter 8, and it said this scripture, and I read it, and I thought, I must be reading this wrong. It said, therefore, if any man be in Christ, all right, this is in 2 Corinthians, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Behold, all things are passed away. Behold, all things become new, right? Then it said this in Romans chapter eight. If, therefore, if I'm in Christ, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ, Right? For those that walk after the spirit, not after the flesh. In my whole life, Christian life, I had begun to think that I need to walk in the spirit, not after the flesh, so I could eliminate condemnation. That day, I was reading the scripture, I'm gonna preach that night actually, and as I was getting ready to just preparing my mind and my heart, I read that scripture and got all confused. Because it said, therefore, if you're in Christ, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ. There was nothing attached to that. It was not a condition to walk in the spirit, not after the flesh. It was a privilege because of the no condemnation. So I had to settle, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ. Now that I've settled the no condemnation, I can walk in the spirit, not after the flesh. I don't walk in the spirit to fight the flesh so I can eliminate condemnation. I've already eliminated condemnation, now I can walk in the spirit, not after the flesh. Yeah. Right? Does that make sense? That's the hardest thing that I had to shift. There is no condemnation in Christ. I had to ask myself, therefore, if any man be in Christ, old things are passed away, behold, all things become new. I'm in Christ. I'm not condemned. He's not judging me on the 50 yard line. It's settled. I don't have to look at him and him look at me and me going, oh, how am I doing, how am I doing? Am I gonna lose this if I just don't, am I running hard enough, am I slowing down, am I giving enough, am I praying enough, am I studying enough, am I saying the right thing, do I love enough? I mean, all this inventory of human effort, I was looking at him as if, and finally I had to realize, I'm in him, it's settled. There's no condemnation. It's not his heart to condemn me. I'm in him, it's settled. Now that I've settled the condemnation piece, but then I started tallying up all the things I had done wrong. 
And I'm going, man. And the Lord spoke to me so clear that he says, why are you harder on yourself than I am? I'm not that hard on you. Quit reminding me of things I've already forgiven you for. That's for somebody. Quit bringing me your list that I've already thrown away. Either you believe as far as the east is from the west, all your transgressions are far from you. Either you believe that the blood of Jesus washes you white as snow, or you don't. If you can settle those things, you can live a life that frees you to make choices and decisions rather than be concerned and worried, oh gosh, am I walking on landmines as I go forward? So people that are living in those moments, and they hit me at times, I, I, I get it. Gosh, I went through a period of about six or eight months, I felt like I was, I was depressed, depression. I mean, I'd just cry and sit in my office and cry, and finally I realized, well, am I gonna sit here until I die, right? So I knew there was something I must be believing that was not true, and I had to figure out what that was. And the Lord doesn't leave you isolated and unteachable he teaches you, the question is, do you hear him when he's teaching? Amen. And he'll teach you not with just audible voice. I'll be sitting up there in my office, I'd go, God, what is it, what is it? And I'm thinking to myself, I'm waiting on this like megaphone to come through the, the window, the door, and, and tell me exactly what I'm wanting to hear. But I get up and I walk out and I go to lunch, not realizing that through the lunch, somehow he's speaking to me. And then I come, miss the lunch, miss the, miss the voice through the lunch, come back to the office and try to hear again. Why? Because we're trying to hear that way when he teaches you through life circumstances. Amen. The, the loudest voice of God is through your interactions with people. Amen. Right? Yeah. They don't always know they're wrong. Right? We're quick to tell them sometimes. But the Lord teaches. And if you don't hear the first time, you'll keep going through that same situation until you hear again. And you can say this, nobody understands. Nobody gets me. Nobody, you know, no, I'm just, nobody gets, well, you can say, stay there, but that's a lie that attracts, makes open a gateway for those other things to attach themselves to you. You good? Let's go to Exodus 14 and plow this thing on further. Exodus 14, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, speak unto the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp before Pihirath, between Migdal and the sea, over against Baal-Zephon, before it shall be encamped, you shall encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh will say, look at this, Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land. Here's what, here's what I want you to see. This is a lie. He's, here's what he's, the enemy is going to tell them. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Now this is not fair, God. And they, uh, God says, I will harden, I will make Pharaoh obstinate with you. I will harden Pharaoh's heart that he shall follow after them. God is the one that told them to go. And Moses, go tell the children of Israel, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. We sing songs about it, we preach about it. 
It's a wonderful story and a representation even in kids' dramas and plays. And God said, Moses, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. When Moses goes and tells Pharaoh to let, people, let my people go, the people start leaving and on their journey. And guess what? God comes back to Moses and says, Moses, I'm gonna harden in Pharaoh's heart. He's not gonna let the people go. Now, if I'm Moses, we got a problem. Now, how many, and, and it makes sense in this story, but what about you? When God told you to go forward, but you didn't know how to go forward, and when he did, all hell broke loose in your forward motion and commotion, right? God told you that that was the right way to go, and you went that way, and when you got in there, it was a bigger mess than what you left, right? You're unhappy, you're frustrated, you're angry, you're aggravated, you can't find peace, everything's falling apart, and the temptation is to always do this, to question, God, did I make a mistake and not go? Don't you think Moses went by himself and said, what in the world have I done? If it were me, I'd be calling Joshua and all these other guys together and going, listen, why didn't you stop me from going over there? I don't know that I heard God or not. It looked like God, sounded like God. God had an encounter with him on the, 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 the burning bush. But when you come back, I promise you, Moses had to be thinking these same thoughts. What am I doing? God said he's gonna harden Pharaoh's heart. Why? Look at this. And I will be, look at this, uh, that he will shall follow after them, chase after them, make their life more difficult, more uh, hardships on them, and I will be honored. God says, I will be honored, and that word honored is kabat, which is the same word of glory. I will be, get my glory upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts that look, that the world, the Egyptians, the people that are watching, may know that I am the Lord, and they did so. The reason Sometimes it gets more difficult when you take a step than it was when you left. It's because God's working a bigger plan and he's trying to show the world around you how big he really is. Don't think so special of yourself only that God's only doing something for you because he doesn't work in a vacuum. When God blesses you and he's working in your life, he's got all kinds of other people and components working together too pieces you don't know and pieces you do see. Unknown pieces, unknown people, people that are working all around. And it's wonderful because I see it sometimes. I see setups. I look at it and I think, oh God, here goes, here he goes, here goes God again. These people, the person said, I'm, I'll tell you what I'm doing. I am starting, this guy told me one time, he said, I am starting this business. I'm tired of working for somebody else. I'm starting this business. I just dropped my head. I said, oh dear God. What? He said, I said, are you ready for this? He said, yes, I'm ready for this. He said, I'm ready. I want to make my own money. I, want to, I don't want to answer to anybody. And I'm thinking, oh my God, are you, okay, all right. He said, what should I do? I said, well, it's all your mind's made up. I said, did God tell you to do it? Yeah, and I said, well, God said it, who am I? He said, I'm doing it. I'm starting my own, stepping out by faith. He goes back and tells his employer, I'm going to go start my own, and I want the freedom of starting my own. I'm thinking, the freedom of starting your own. This guy obviously has never started a business, all right? And he steps in, he goes, I'm, I'm going out. And he kind of burned a little bit of a bridge back here. And when he came back, I said, don't burn, go build the bridge. Don't burn that bridge. Amen. He said, I don't need that. I said, listen, no, but you're gonna become them. You just don't know it yet. You're going to see through a different set of eyes because how you see right now is pre. You have not even begun to see post because you won't see post until you see mid. Amen. Right? Because from the time you step and from the time you become, you are transforming. And you cannot transform by a hop, skip, and a jump. You gotta, hop, you gotta go through to transform. 
You've got to identify the lies that you see, the lies that you believe, go through the process of confronting those lies, and life, gets con con life confronts those lies. And as life confronts those lies, as circumstances confront those lies, you have an opportunity to lay down those lies, embrace the, 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 the truths, and then begin to incorporate those truths in your new life. When you do, you will see they're not crazy after all. Because if you think for one minute that you're gonna be free and not be tied down and not answer to anybody, when you start a business and you have 10 or 15 people working for you, you're answering to them whether you realize it or not. Because now their whole family is dependent upon you making right decisions. You wanna go back there because it's more safe back here. It's secure back here. It's easy to have lunch and have them for lunch and talk about how bad they're running things, but when your eight or 10 employees go out and tell how bad you're running things, it changes things. Right? Moses. Moses was safe. Moses just had sheep. God invades his life. Moses, I need you to go take those three million people that are hostage and bring them out to freedom. Moses, and I know what Moses is thinking. Oh, God, I can't even talk. He gave him every excuse. But once he went and told him, the children of Israel start coming out. Here's what happened. Can you imagine three million people on the move and Pharaoh gets his heart hardened by God, the very one that told you to do it? And you're mad at Pharaoh? Because you don't have the courage to be mad at God. Right? So what's, what's the next step? So the world could see if, here's the story. If God, if God would tell you every detail of the next season of your life, you would never leave this season. Because you'd be afraid. God's good about throwing, dumping all the pieces to a 500-piece puzzle on a table, giving you a glimpse of the box, and then when you start putting it together, he removes the box. And you're going. And if you're like me, sometimes it'll look like a piece that fits, and just because it's not shaped exactly the right way, I can force that thing in there. And I'll turn that thing, and they're both green, Right? And you'll leave it there until what? Until you keep going, and then you realize that piece don't fit. I have to pull that thing out. It looked good for a moment, and it filled a spot for a moment. But I had to pull it out because why? I had to keep developing this puzzle until it's finished. Because you can't quit halfway. You gotta keep going. Next verse, in verse five. And it was told to the king of Egypt that the people fled. And just like God said, and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants were turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this? That we'll let Israel, Israel go from serving us. And he made ready his chariot and took the people with him. Now this is a setup. Now, here's the thing. The army is gathering, the people are gathering, the chariots are gathering, his heart is hardened, he's already upset. But Moses already has a word that comes way back in the beginning of Exodus that says, I'll be with you. But when the circumstances of life don't match up with what you remember him saying, don't let the circumstances of life drown out the promises of what he told you. Right? Just because you're here looking at this thing going, oh my God, it's falling apart. And don't assume so much of the responsibility yourself 
that you think you're just that smart to get yourself out of it. You didn't get yourself into it. If I'm Moses, I'm taking the rod going, this is yours, bud, sir. Right, mister? God, Father, it's your. You know what he's thinking? We're not all that spirit. Because, see, we, the story sounds really good when you're talking about the Red Sea and Charlton Heston's plan. But when it's you in the movie, and it ain't a movie anymore, and it's three o'clock in the morning, and you wake up and can't go back to sleep because the clouds already come up over your head, and you were trying everything you can to bust that thing, and you've rearranged it in your mind, you've taken out the notepad, you've taken out everything you can, and you've rearranged everything you possibly can to give the best case scenario, the worst case scenario, and the one that's most likely. And you, and you go through all of that, and you're going, oh my God, and you've wore yourself completely down to the bone because you've hypothetically given God every possible solution that you can imagine. How would you know that God doesn't have a solution that's not in your hypothetical dictionary? What if he has a solution that's bigger than you? That's better than you. And it might cost you a little pain going through the process because on the other end of that process, God's gonna get glory out of your life and you'll be a testimony and a trophy to him for the world to be able to see. Nobody wants to be that. I don't. Sometimes I'll go, God, I'll, let me, I'm gonna pray for the people that are. But nobody wants to stand. One prophet said, Isaiah said, Send me. And I'm thinking, God, I'm already, I got the New Testament, Isaiah. If I'd have been back there with you back then, I know how this thing goes. I'm telling you, put your hand down. <laughs> Do you not know how he hardened Pharaoh's heart? Man, God's got a history of look like he's playing tricks on you. What are you thinking, Isaiah? I'm not just talking, this is the truth. I'm telling you, your life, you look back on your life because you have enough history in your life to see the testimony of how good God is. But it doesn't change the fact is when you're moving forward, you're going, oh my God, there's no way out of this thing other than go forward. You can't go back. The Red Sea is closed. You've got to move forward. Knowing good and well that God's working things out here that are bigger than you, better than you, harder than you, tougher than you, and are gonna make you sweat along the process. Why? Because he's working stuff out of you while he's taking you as an illustration to all the people around you. And we think we gotta do this. We gotta just smile, count it all joy. I know that's in the Bible, but let's just be real. Nobody wants to do that. I'll meet James one day in heaven. We're gonna have a conversation about it. Count it all joy of the fiery trials that you go through. No, James, you count it all joy. <laughs> it's easy for you to say. You know what I'm saying? Come on, buddy. Have a little you know, truth here. I'm the one down here dealing with all this stuff. You're not here. No, you waltzed around with Jesus for three and a half years. It was all good for you. You hid when he was crucified. You, where are you at when I'm getting crucified? Am I talking to anybody? No, this isn't fun. She says count it all joy, but I'm just sick of religious people telling me to smile when my insides are about to pour out. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Next person tells me to take a modium <laughs> when I can't even get my bowels straight. Now, I'm talking to somebody in here this morning. Because I am sick at my stomach and it's falling apart. I don't know what to do. And somebody comes around and says, I'll bring you some medication. Well, thanks for the medication, but can you fix my problem? I'll take the diarrhea, but fix my problem. I had that, that really happened to me. We were going through this, man. We were buying this property at a foreclosure. We had to have the money. We were, I took three of them down there with me. And they said, I said, they said, you're going to bid on this property. We're going to bid on this property today. It's in foreclosure. We're going to bid on it. 
I said, uh, okay, how much have we bitten? I said, whatever the minimum price is. They said, so they didn't really know the details of that. So we get up to the foreclosure. They knew some of the details. They didn't know it all. We get up there and they said, the minimum price is $674,000. They said, who's gonna make the bid? I said, uh, Expression Church. And this is no lie. All three of them that were there went. <laughs> so we buy it for six seventy-five, six seventy-four. We get in the car. We walk back to the car. I'm driving. They all get in my car. Silent. They said, do, one finally, we got around the corner. They said, do, it was freezing, snow on the ground. They said, um, do we have $674,000? And they all knew we didn't. And I looked down and I said, no. They said, where are we gonna get it? I said, we got 30 days. <laughs> That's a true story. I said, we got 30 days. I said, let's just enjoy the day. All right. But, but it wasn't that easy because I needed modium about that time, okay? It was bad. I was scared to death. Truth. I was scared to death because we had to have 10% of it in an hour and a half. And what even an hour and a half it was like, we had to go from our the foreclosure sale to, the ha to the, our office, get the cashier's check or get the money for the cashier's check for 10% and take it down to the attorney's office, the trustee. So we're driving, we're talking about a half hour, 45 minutes, we had to have the money, which was 10%, 60-some thousand. We had 20-some thousand dollars in our bank account, right? Which I was happy for 20,000, all right? So we were driving and I said, oh, and they said, and they look at me, what are we gonna do? That's what they said to me, what are we gonna do? And I'm going, what are you gonna do? Well, you got us into this mess, Moses. I knew it was coming, all right? So we're driving and, and, and all of a sudden I see the trustee walking back there and he, uh, we wave at him and he saw us, he texted, he said, hey, I'm gonna go on to lunch. Just meet me back at the office at 1.30. And I went, yes, that gives us another hour. So no, it was 45 minutes because it was like 10, 30, 11 o'clock. So we got an hour and a half now to get this money. We go back to the office. We're sitting there. Keep in mind that God told us to do this, right? Or I thought he did, all right? I, my stomach was just sick in knots and everybody was sitting. So they were in Pam's office and I walk in, I sit down and they're all sitting there and everybody's, nobody's saying a word. And when I walk in, it really got silent because they were probably talking about me before I got there. <laughs> so I walk in and we sit down and they said, what are we gonna do? I said, yeah, God's gonna come through. God's gonna come through. What am I gonna say? Even if I didn't believe it, I had to say it, right? Because now we're in a jam. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, oh my God. And this whole story is coming to my mind, thinking, oh my God, God's gonna come through, God's come through. I had a text message about one o'clock from a guy and he texted me. He knew we were all, we were buying it and he, he was coming to the church and he said, Hey, what, what, uh, what did you guys, did the foreclosure go through? Did somebody else buy it? We buy it? What happened? I said, well, we secured it. <laughs> and he said, well, what has to happen? I said, well, we're, I think it was like $41,000 short uh, to get it. And he said, well, that's, that's, we can, that's no big deal. God's bigger than that. And I said, yeah, yeah, he's bigger than that. And he said, well, what time do you have to have, when do you have to have it? I said, well, like half hour. <laughs> right. And then he said, well, let's pray. And I said, oh yeah, well, what a novel idea. Yeah. So we've been praying. And, nobody, and everybody, everybody's fasting because nobody has an appetite to eat, right? So we, it's truth, we hung up after praying. And 15 minutes later, he texts me and he said, the, God, the Lord just spoke to me and told me to come over here and get a cashier's check for that $41,000. Truth. So I got up. At that time, I was already back in my office. 
and between bathroom stops. And I came back out of the bathroom, or back to the office. Seriously, I came into the office. They were still in there. And Ronnie was there, Pam and Steph, and others were standing there. Chad was all there. And I said, well, what, what's, what's, I said, the Lord just provided. He gave us $41,000. And, uh, and of course, everybody, Pam and Steph said, we'll take it over to the trustee's office. We'll go take care of that. You don't even have to do that. I'm thinking to myself, yeah, you'll, you'll do that now. We got, yeah, everybody wants to walk in, so they, they did. They ran over there, took care of that, put our 10% down, and in a 30-day period of time, we were able to secure what we needed to secure to finance and buy this building. Now, here's the thing. It sounds really good in a book, but try waking up in the middle of the night, right? Or try and go to sleep back in the middle of the night. All right, and it's not just about the building. It's about the hundreds of people that we've seen saved and baptized here that all took place on, who's gonna make the first bid? We are. Why? Because God told us to. Right? He told us to. I didn't know how. And God, I wish he'd have told us how. Because we'd have had at least, a, we'd probably had lunch. <laughs> right? We'd have went out and ate. But really, if we really true, truthfully, really trusted, and I have to be honest, we're human people. And when God is pushing you up against the limit to break something out of you, He'll take you right down beyond the wire just so he can show you he can. He'll let you exhaust every one of your avenues and options. But what he will do in that process, and this happens every time, and if you allow yourself to be opened up like Moses did, you'll see it. You let him examine your motivation. That process of pressure and stress that's taking you down that tight place is to question your true motivation. What are you motivated? What's, what's driving you? Is it just to have a building or is it the people? Is it what you're doing for me or is it what you're trying to make your name great? Are you trying to make a name for Expression Church or are you trying to really help people? What, is it really you wanna be on that West End because you wanna make a difference down there or is it just something you wanna say you got a big building you're gonna build out? And all these motivations, your motives start getting run through the ringer because the reason being is because God wants to strip you of all those lies about yourself that you're living and dreaming, believing, because when you get over here, you can't have those same thoughts and wrong motivations and fears and anxieties and worries and concerns because they will not sustain in your next season. So the reason they went through the wilderness and the reason God hardened Pharaoh's heart was so the children of Israel and Moses and the leadership would begin to see inside themselves their humanity, their frailty, their insufficiencies, their insecurities, so they could look to him to be the only source and only provider. And when they got their eyes off of themselves and saw their eyes on him, everything began to change. He became big, circumstances became small. It doesn't make it easy. We don't need any superhero Christians. Wear your S on your chest, Spider-Man and your superhero, just wear your cape and say everything's gonna be okay. It hurts sometimes. It's painful sometimes. It's disappointing sometimes. It feels like you had the breath knocked out of you sometimes. It, it feels like you're gonna die sometimes. It'll take you down to the wire. It feels like your life has fallen apart and you can make no sense of it. But don't lose hope and don't lose sight. Even when God looks like he's not doing anything, he's doing something in you so he can do something in them. Yeah. Every single 
time. And don't be the person like, don't gloat or get all in your boastful self and say, God's using me to teach them a lesson. No, God's using them to teach you one too. Amen. I've been there. Uh, you, you don't need to be a martyr for them. You need to be a martyr for you. I've been there. Uh, God's gonna use me to turn this organization upside down. Well, God's gonna use that organization to turn you upside down too. So you want to trade off? No, God, I'll back out of this fight, right? Because it gets painful. Let's go to the next verse real quick. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and pursued after the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with a high hand. With a high hand. But the Egyptians pursued after them, all the horses and the chariots of Pharaoh, and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them, encamping by the sea, besides those areas. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel, look, lifted up their eyes, and behold, they saw the Egyptians. They marched after them, behind them, and they were afraid. Why? Because they started seeing the opposition. When you start seeing the circumstances that are overriding and surrounding you, that are over top of you, when those become bigger, and that becomes the focus, it doesn't mean you're, you're, you're gonna ignore them. You're just not gonna let them direct your, your, your emotions and your senses, right? It's not that we're gonna be, they're not there. No, we're not, I don't like that denial stuff. You know, people that have your back's hurting or you're in, you're sick, and then you talk to some good Christian people and they'll say, I said, God, you're, you're coughing your head off and you feel like you got, your, you got the flu or something. They'll go, oh no, I'm healed, I'm healed. I'm going, no, you're coughing. You know, I know, but the Bible says, by his stripes I'm healed. I know what the Bible says, but until you line with the Bible, you still got to cough, right? Now, I'm not trying to knock your positive confession, but don't you get into some unrealistic life that becomes a fantasy that you can't relate to real people, Amen. right? I've talked to them. God, I know people like that. Man, they come in. I had a guy walk up in my office one time. He was, his ankle was fractured, and he walked in. He said, people prayed for me. He said, I'm healed, man. In Jesus' name, I'm healed. You're, you got a boot on, you're limping. You're not healed. So I tested him. I said, can you help me carry this table downstairs? Yeah, I'll try it. I'll do that. Yeah, I'll do it. He said, pick up this table. I said, can you go down first? Well, my ankle, I know you're healed. Oh, no, don't give me that negative confession. You're healed. What? Oh, ye of little faith. How long have I been with you? I started quoting scripture to him. He said, Man, it hurts. I said, that's because we're going to, so what we're going to do, we're going to pray all the way where you get an x-ray. We're going to take you to the doctor. You're going to get an x-ray, and God's going to use a doctor. While If he don't heal you this way, he's going to heal you that way. It might take six weeks until it straightens out, but God's going to heal you in six weeks. While you wear your boot, while you confess your positive, <laughs> confess, boy, you all. <laughs> Come on, right? No, you don't walk around like, <laughs> that's not gonna reach the world. What caused the Egyptians to, to be even more engaged was the children of Israel were afraid of them. But it was a setup. It was a setup on God, from God on the Egyptians. Watch this. As they marched after them, they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried down to the Lord. Now watch this. This is always what happens. And they said to Moses, they go right back to the leader, Moses, because there was no graves in Egypt, Hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? <laughs> Why did you let us? We were okay. 
but you brought us out of here, and now look at our life. Our life's falling apart, it's crumbling, I don't know why. I would have been better, I'd have been better off staying over there. Look, if you're looking for, the only security you're gonna get is heaven. If you think you will get security in this life, sometimes it feels like you have none. And God still has your back, right? But if you're looking for security, man, God will rock your world to get that thing out of you. I probably had an altar call. I'm gonna probably be the first one out the altar today. I can feel it. You guys are getting mad. Wherefore hast thou dealt with us to carry us from you? Why are you doing this to us, Moses? Next verse. Is not this the word that we did tell thee in, the, in Egypt, saying, just leave us alone? Right? Do you know how many people I have had mad at me in the course of my ministry because I encouraged them to go further than, it was in their heart to go far, far but they didn't have the courage to do it. And I encourage them, let's say encourage, courage. I encourage them to take a step out. And when they take a step out, they wish they had maybe had never taken a step out. So they come back and they blame me. It's true. Right? I married a couple one time, and he still blames me. I didn't tell him to marry him, I just performed the ceremony. So he comes to me and said, Man, you know what? She's hard, she's mean. She's tough. I said, she's exactly what you need. He said, I said, because you're soft. You gotta get tougher. Well, I'm gonna put her in her place. She walked in the room. She walked in the room. She said, what, was, what, were you guys, what are you guys talking about? I said, oh, we were just, he said, we were just talking about how I'm so thankful that he could give us that ceremony that day. Wasn't that a beautiful wedding we had that day? That's <laughs> true, true story. I just started laughing. I started laughing. He said, he, said, he was just talking how strong you are. Strong, strong. See, what do you mean strong? He, he, well, and he's looking at me going, you got to get me out of this now. <laughs> so we kind of made fun of it, but the reality of it is that I'm going to encourage you. You've, you cannot be status quo. You can't be just here Amen. and stay here and be frustrated to everything around you when you need to take the step out. Yeah. Right? Amen. Don't live a life of regret of not doing it. I say this to our, our leaders all the time. Look at the musicians all gathered around. They got something good, I can feel it. But listen, I tell our, our leaders all the time, I've never regretted going to a funeral, going to a hospital, do a visitation, never. I've never regretted that. But I have regretted not going at times. At the end of your life, at the end of your journey, at the end of your season of life, at the end of your season of seasons, you don't want to look and go, oh, I wish I had it. Take a step. Here's what they said. Next verse, I'm sorry, Mike. I didn't mean to mess you up there. Which we shall show to this day for the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more. Wait a minute. Moses said unto the people, fear not, because they were afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Now this is Moses, the great leader, which you shall know, which she show, she'll show you this day. The Lord's gonna, sh stand still. You're gonna to see today that God's gonna do something for the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall never see it again. What's next verse? Moses, big Moses, the Lord's gonna fight for you. You shall hold your peace. Get ready, stand still, and you're gonna see God. You'll never see those Egyptians again. Next verse. And the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Speaking to the children and tell them to go forward. Wait a minute. Moses just told him to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. 
God said, go forward. Moses had to go back and tell the children, hey, I know I said stand still, but God said, go forward. You have got to lean forward when you can't even walk forward. Amen. You've got to think forward when you can't even think forward. You cannot stay stationary or stuck because you become stagnant and begin to die. What not, what's not moving forward is moving backward. And if you're not moving backward and forward at that moment, you're becoming stagnant and you'll eventually die because you have to go back. God wants your life to move forward. I'm here to tell you this morning. We'll stop right there. I'm here to tell you this morning. We talked last week about that cloud being right over the presence of the Lord. The Lord is moving you, us, the church, the people of God, the country, the world. He's moving us into a place, challenging us to go forward, beckoning us to take a step and to increase, to grow, and I'm calling the word scale, to scale your life, to grow and increase in quality and, 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 and maturity in every aspect of life. You've got to scale, you've got to grow. You've got to grow up, you've got to grow and increase. It has to, because that's where we're living. And you've got to grow, and you've got to take the step of faith, and you've got to go forward, and you can't look at all the obstacles in front of you to keep you from moving forward. And allow God to tell, let you see the inventory of the way you see the way you look, the way you believe, and allow all those truths that you believe are truths, that some of them are lies, to be challenged internally inside of you. What are the lies that you believe today that are gateways and magnets for spirits to come of anxiety, depression, oppression, worry, fear? What are those gateways? What are those lies that attract those spirits that causes you to be bound? What are they? And it's not good enough just to get rid of them. You have to displace them with truth. Amen. That is the new way of seeing life. The new, the, new, the new communication, the new outlook, the new lens, the new filter. How do you see it? It's all based on three things. Your view of God, your view of people, and your view of resources. That's how it works. I wanna encourage you, over the next several weeks, we're gonna continue down on Moses' path. And the Lord is stirring the hearts of people in here. I wanna see you increase in life and quality of life, not just for you, but for your children, your grandchildren, your grandkids, and even down to the fourth and fifth generation. I wanna see life and quality of life. I wanna see our ladies become all they're supposed to be and our men to be all they're supposed to be so that our kids will have role models and examples of what it looks like, a proper frame of reference, rather than try to have to figure it out on their own and stumble into it. We can still turn this thing around. The world's not falling apart as long as we're here. There's, an op there, there's hope. We are that hope. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Because I heard this in my heart a few moments ago and I almost said it then. There is somebody in here today, maybe two, that need to give their heart to the Lord. You need to get really get saved, you need to give your heart to Jesus. I mean, fully commit your heart to God. You, you've kind of been in and out, and one foot in, one foot out, but I'm talking about fully committing yourself to the Lord, allowing condemnation to be rolled off your back, removed from your life, and an open line of communication and trust you can have with the Lord. No one's looking around. I'm gonna count to three, and if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I'm not gonna ask you to come forward today. I'm gonna pray for you right where you are in your seat, but I do need you to raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. Today, you're gonna commit fully your heart to God and give your heart to Jesus.
fully give your heart to Jesus, a total surrendered life. One, two, and three. Who are you? I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. There you are. Father, in Jesus' name, everyone that raised their hand, God, you saw the heart. You saw the confession of the, the hand raising and, the, and, and, the, and all the movement that was going on in the heart. Because of the agreement in their heart and the confession of the raising of their hand, I'm asking God you to wipe away everything that's been holding them back, every hindrance that, that, that's keeping them from moving forward. I'm asking you to remove it all and give them the assurity that you did it. Let there be no guess to remove the, 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 the what ifs. Remove the hypotheticals and give them an assurity of knowing God is secure in you. I bless them and I thank you, Father, for saving them in Jesus' name. Amen. Still with heads bowed and eyes, no one looking around. I'm gonna do this too, all right? Steph mentioned earlier about anxiety and we're gonna close right after this, but who in here fear, you're afraid. You're just afraid. You're afraid of what might happen, what could happen. And you're holding on to the reins of your life so tight because of what might be, could be. Just raise your hand. I see them. They're all over. Father, in the name of Jesus, I break and bind the spirit of fear and I release into the hearts of the minds of the people a power and a love and of sound mind. Let it reside in their hearts. Let it reside in their minds. Let fear go and peace come, a calming. Now let there be a hunger for truth. Expose the lies that have built that fear in their hearts and allow them to see the real truth, to trust you in ways, Lord, they've never trusted you before. I bless them, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Would you all stand with me? Are you ready? Seriously, are you ready? This is gonna be a great week. I can feel it already. God, you guys look good. I feel like I wanna hold a, 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 a thing out there and let y'all run out as we leave. Like, and let y'all run through the tunnel. Go out there and just take on that world. Take on your life. Father, in Jesus' name, I lift up every person here today and I say, God, let this be the greatest week that they've ever experienced. Give them an excitement and a joy or a pep in their step and an excitement to go forward. Let them to, to realize, God, that you are with them and nothing can be against them because you're all for them. Lord, no weapon formed against them can prosper. Every tongue that rises up against them in judgment, they shall condemn. God, they're gonna go forward in the power of your spirit. They're gonna know, God, that things are working for them and not working against them. And they're gonna look for opportunities. They're gonna see you in the good things. They're gonna see you in the hard things because you're the same God that blesses them on the mountain. You're the same God that blesses them in the valley. So when it's up, it's good. When it's down, it's good. It's all good in you because you are good. You're faithful, you're true. And God, as we walk out here today, we embrace your truth, we embrace your life, and we embrace your joy in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. God bless you all.